It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. SNL hosted by Russell Crowe is over, but we are just getting started here on the SNL post show recap here on postshowrecaps.com. And now here are the two guys who are looking for you to bear us a son. I'm Rob Sister. Here's Rich Hacker. Rich, how are you? I am good. I am good. You know, Rob, as I always say about <laughs> SNL, you win some and you lose. You lose. I think, uh, and I think this week uh, for me was a little bit more of the second column. I think uh, this is going to be a fun discussion. I always love SNL. I think we're gonna we're gonna be discussing a lot of uh, a lot of sort of what happened. Uh, and and if you, I will say up front, if you did like this episode, fantastic. Mm-hmm. I disagree with you, but I love that you're part of the conversation. Okay. All right. Well, good stuff. We are here uh, for our weekly SNL recap here on Post Show Recaps. Dot com. We're going to talk through all of the sketches here tonight. And then James Keast will join us to talk about the music later on in the show in the order that the sketches appear. And so, Rich, before we get into the cold open, uh, what do you want to say about Russell Crowe hosting us? Now? This was a weird one. Now, you know, I, I obviously I'll be very you know straightforward for me. This one didn't work. A lot didn't work. And of course, some stuff did. I mean, it, you know, no one's going to bat zero. There's some fun stuff here. You know, I will. And and why did it not work? We don't know. We don't know what happened. But I will say a lot of odd things that at least you can point to and say, OK, uh, this is different than than a regular SNL. A couple of things. Uh, Russell Crowe, the host, was only in four sketches. That's sort of unheard of. Someone on uh, postshowrecaps.com, I can't bring up the page because I don't want to get feedback, brought up, like, asked the question, did Russell Crowe show up late uh, to the rehearsals? And it was a really great point because he was also in no pre-tapes, which I've never seen before. Uh, we, I don't think I've ever seen uh, a host not be in any of the pre-tapes, at least not this year. Um, and the other thing that was interesting, thinking back about the Dinklage episode, uh, you know, when we talked about a serious actor not known for comedy especially one who's never hosted SNL before the thing that the thing that Dinklage did really right is that for the most part he was the straight person and the way that he did comedy on SNL is he reacted as seriously as he would on Game of Thrones two ridiculous situations and that made the comedy here we had russell crowe who i am gonna guess asked for requested or something to be the wacky person in almost every sketch um and i thought that that was a miss on a big on a lot of fronts here that that was i I would love to have seen russell crowe be the straight man and let someone else be the wacky character and i think we could have had a lot more fun with this episode now the movie that he has coming up with ryan gosling is that a comedy yes i think it's a dark comedy uh but it is it is a 
comedy, yes. So do you feel like is the difference there where is Russell Crowe going on SNL to show people he's funny, whereas Peter Dinklage is going on SNL because Game of Thrones is coming back and he's not necessarily promoting a comedy, uh, even though it looks like he is in that Melissa McCarthy movie that's coming out? Yeah, I think that it's, you know, I, I think that, you know, with with dramatic actors coming on, I do think sometimes, you know, they see John Hamm come on. They see Alec Baldwin come on for the first time and think, oh, maybe I could do that. And, and uh, you know, and I think it's tough because when you see the trailer for the good guys, he's clearly doing exactly what I just said, which is he's letting other in that movie, he's letting other people be highly ridiculous. And then he's acting as if that could really happen and playing it straight, which makes him a good straight man. So, you know, certainly it could be a situation where, um, you know, they just wrote this kind of stuff for him or he sort of kindly asked for it and the and the the cast was sort of game for it. But I suspect not. I suspect that this was him. I don't want to say I don't know if it's hubris. I don't know if it's fun, uh, but whatever. But I think that he sort of made the call of. I want to do this because I think I can. I think I can be funny. And uh, we'll we'll discuss with mix with with interesting results what I thought. Okay, all right. Let's get into the monologue, which is Hillary Clinton. She has been uh, campaigning in New York, uh, like many of the presidential candidates. uh, We've seen them do all sorts of wacky things to try to pander to the New York voters. Uh, And here was Kate McKinnon as Hillary uh, delivering sort of a solo monologue about uh, where Hillary stands and how she feels about Bernie Sanders potentially catching up on her. Yeah, I thought this was a good, solid cold open. Uh, I don't think it was the best that we've seen, but I thought certainly this was fairly solid. This is the first time we've seen uh, just a, a Hillary Clinton direct address monologue this season, which we know we had seen a couple of these this this uh, early on. So uh, I thought it was I thought it was fun. Uh, you know, I will say for me, uh, I like when they play Hillary as the determined woman who's going to win at all costs. She's super smart. She's super driven. So I like the bits, the sort of when we're talking about New Yorkers, you know, the idea of having sort of the the um, the, the Yankees hat that, that at a certain time she turns to be a New York hat. I would say for me, what I didn't like, what doesn't fit this character is the person who hasn't done enough homework that she calls the New York, the fat apple or that she calls them the New York meats. I felt like, well, you know, that's the Al Sharpton character we're going to see. I felt like, and this is nitpicky, but I thought, you know, I I thought this is where the character is inconsistent and we don't need that here. I would rather see her be the woman trying to get over the subway turnstile. And she's so dedicated that we're going to get a really nice piece of comedy from Kate McKinnon here instead of, you know, something as, silly as pretending to eat a hot dog when it's so obvious that she's not so uh but overall i thought this was really funny and i really liked the uh the game of thrones reference i thought this was a funnier game of thrones reference than most of uh last week's with the three-eyed raven and if you don't vote for hillary winter is coming i thought that was really fun (laughs) yeah and uh as far as live from new york at saturday night live she brings it every time she brings it i was very happy with that so great great energy great way to start the show okay All right. So then speaking of what a way to start the show, let's talk about Russell Crowe and the monologue where Russell Crowe, maybe almost like a microcosm of what you're saying, where he's standing up there telling us, see, I'm funny. Uh, See, I've done comedy before. I know what I'm doing. And so you can see in my movies, 
Uh, here are all the funny things that I've done in my comedy movies. Yeah, this was a tough one for me. Uh, I mean, I will say it was mercilessly, mercifully and oddly short. This was a monologue that was two minutes and 20 seconds. Uh, also, what I thought was uh, notable that I think sort of played into a little bit of the rest of the episode is that he did not interact with any cast member, either planted in the audience or as walk-ons. He did it purely as a monologue, which we almost never see unless it's a stand up doing material um you know some funny jokes here and there i like that it was short uh the 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 beautiful minds boobs joke did make me laugh i'm 11 real i accept it i don't know i I actually wondered watching it a second time i wondered if that was real or if they added that just for it um but either way it was uh it was a it was a funny joke but but uh i was a little you know again once we set up the first joke with Gladiator, we kind of see it multiple times. Uh, you know, him sort of, quote unquote, making fun of himself in Les Mis. I thought, OK, he's not really making fun of himself. He's creating the illusion of he's making fun of himself from Les Mis, but he didn't actually make fun of himself. But uh, you know what? In and out. And sometimes with the monologue, that's the most I can ask. Yeah. Um yeah, there's not not a lot to talk about here with the uh, Russell Crowe monologue. You know, I thought this was really wild that we went into a pre-taped and then another sketch right after the monologue that I feel like that that is exceptionally rare in SNL, right? Yeah, this was a rare one. And again, we're not seeing uh, we're not seeing Russell Crowe in the pre-tape, uh, which was rare. And then we'll we'll talk about the we'll talk about the live sketch afterwards. But the the whole timing of the way everything went down makes me think that something happened either Russell wasn't connecting with material a lot of stuff got thrown out at dress rehearsal orders were swapped around last minute a lot of strange stuff going on here yeah all right well let's uh talk about the preparation age advanced jail you know we talk a lot about how um we we have uh leslie jones is always playing leslie jones I do feel like that there's a thing where Beck Bennett is always playing this character. Yeah, this character basically could be taken out of the penis rap uh, pre-taped uh, from the Ronda Rousey, where everyone's rapping about how large their penis is. And he's talking about how it's not. It felt very much sort of a, of a piece. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Like the Beck Bennett character th- is the character who cannot keep quiet about a ver- <clears throat> cannot keep quiet about a very embarrassing ailment that he suffers from and is right. very loud in a public place about this very embarrassing thing that's happening to him. Yes, I, I definitely agree. I definitely agree. It, it's definitely the uh, he plays the I'm the nice guy, regular guy who, in fact, turns out to slowly uh, unhinge over the course of a pre tape sketch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You know, this was so we so we see preparation age advanced gel. You know, the setup is pretty much, you know, we we see uh, uh, Taryn has a problem with his, you know, at a, in a social engagement at a dinner. And then he's rescued by Beck Bennett, who gives him preparation H, which is great when everyone's happy until during the dinner. Beck Bennett interrupts to sort of ask him how his ass is feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, and sort of the the ongoing gag of the sketch is that, you know, Beck Bennett it keeps interrupting him with this horribly embarrassing reminder that he had a problem with his butt, you know, and I think, you know, I, I want to hear what you think for me again. I hate to, I hate to give this an uh, boy, but I, I got to go full out a uh, boy on this. And, and the reason is, um, I feel like this is a comedic premise that doesn't actually work in that. I don't think in 2016, 
people having hemorrhoids is such an unbelievable, embarrassing thing that if it were to be brought up in a social setting, it would be this unbelievably horrible thing. So Mm -hmm. it was hard to buy like, okay, nobody likes it and whatever. But in 2016, with a bunch of people in their young 20s, if someone said I had a hemorrhoid, other than if you're eating food, I, I, I think I think we're sort of asked to buy that Beck's character saying, oh, my God, how's your ass doing is going to sort of unhinge uh, to go back to this, you know, uh, Kyle's um, uh, Taryn's character, which I just don't think worked. I, and I think that watching it while we're not supposed to be comedy police, I think that's why I had no stakes. It was a false jeopardy that I didn't feel like if this happened to me, I would be mortified. Mm hmm. Yeah, I feel like that's a pretty fair point. I also felt like that, you know, it did not really continue to build also from the point where, you know, it sort of had been revealed that, hey, did you use that? You know, I feel like you got a pop out of the first time when, you know, Beck Bennett comes back and says, hey, did you use that cream uh, that I gave you? And then after that, it really, I feel like the stakes do not get much greater than that. Yeah. I mean, all we really see after this is that it's just then we see the we see Beck's character start to unravel and find out that he's putting cream on in the bathroom with his legs over his head and a woman walked in and there were some definite chuckles. But I I, I think it was all a little bit like, you know, as uh, you know, as as others have said, you know, we've seen the hands free selfie stick and the, you know, a lot of the fake cocaine and the fake, you know, poop for the fake cocaine and i feel like we're just sort of playing a lot of these beats when these false commercials is like you know i i i enjoy better okay all right let's talk about politics nation with al sharpton and here's keenan doing his al sharpton impression it's been a while since we've seen politics nation and it turns out it's all a big setup for the real al sharpton to show up here on snl And uh, we do have a bit of the SNL trope where the person playing themselves is like interacting with the person who's doing the character of them. And they have uh, a couple of jabs back and forth about Al Sharpton. So first of all, let's just deal with this in two parts. Let's talk about the pre-Al Sharpton part of this. So, I mean, you know, Keenan can sometimes get on my nerves a little bit. I have no affinity or dislike of Al Sharpton. Uh, This sketch, as we've seen many times, is just the same beat over and over again. It's Al Sharpton, you know, misreading words on a teleprompter. So on paper, there is no reason for me to like this sketch. Mm -hmm. And yet. It makes me laugh every time I there's just he does it so well. The misreading of the cue cards that it really I I find this funny. And there were a lot of re I thought really funny. You know, we're sort of even starting out. We're talking about the voter ID. And he says the real purpose is to risen French disenfranchise people. (laughs) And I was just like, yep, I like that. That just makes me laugh every time. Uh, That said, I don't know why the bit with the Sashir Zameda didn't work for me. Um, you know, her name is, yeah, her name is Christy, but he calls her Christy a little bit back and forth. She has a joke that kind of no fault to her own. I feel like just sort of died to the point where the audience didn't even know it a laugh. And, uh, it was, I felt it was a little bit awkward, but in general it was fun. It was, and I think well, she was, wasn't even on the show last week. Yeah, no, there was a couple of, I didn't, uh, Jay Farrow, I don't think was on the show this no. week. No. I don't think I don't even know if he was in the building. Actually. I saw him so, in the credits and I was like, oh, there's Jay Farrow. I forgot about yeah, him. He, yeah. Very odd that even they had Michael Che, uh, you know, in the last uh, pre-tape and not 
Jay, uh, not Jay Farrow, which was odd. But that that aside, he was out drinking with Russell Crowe all week. Probably. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, so it was so this was uh, so that was a little bit of a weird tone. I don't quite know which Sears felt like I didn't quite get the rhythm of this trying to be the straight person. But uh, but he's so funny. I I, I, Keenan Keenan really makes me laugh in this. You're such a Keenan super fan now. Isn't it crazy? And like nothing has changed. (laughs) If you put Willie on, I'm going to like I'm going to lose my brain. But, the, you know, when it works, it works. And this works. This 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 character for me definitely works. OK, so then Al Sharpton shows up and he gives the uh, I forget what the name of the stat. Was. Charlie Richard. Oh, the the black, the black Proof. approval rating is something Proof rating. Sure. And so he's gone through all yeah. of the uh, political candidates. Uh, first of all, uh, what is the timing for Al Sharpton? In all these years, I feel like I don't recall Al Sharpton appearing on the show in this sketch. It's not like it's a popular sketch that we do a lot. Here's Al Sharpton. No, the thing I wonder, and I think someone on PostShowRecaps.com said this, uh, and I asked, so I'm going to see if I can quickly find it, but I probably can't, is uh, I did wonder, like, is it because Keenan is maybe thinking about wrapping it up this season? And is this, you know, we'll only have probably four more episodes before the series, the season finale. So I did wonder wonder if this was just a nod to Keenan leaving uh, Al Shopter, no stranger to the show, but hasn't been on this. Um, yeah, I, I thought it was just a, like court of time to like, oh, it'll be fun to have him on here. I thought he got a very nice round of applause, but I thought I felt like it was uh, it was warm. But I think a good percentage of the audience was like, wait, who's that? Is that? Oh, oh, and then after that, that's Al Sharpton, uh, you know, because we're not seeing, we're not used to seeing Al Sharpton, especially the thin Al Sharpton, because we've been staring at Keenan as SNL fans for so long. Yeah. What do you think about? I really thought that they uh, broke the fourth wall where they went back and forth, where it was like Al Sharpton's like, well, you know, I really, I'm surprised, Al, that you look so heavy. And then Keenan like really made a big deal out of like, well, I, you know, I, I, a lot of people say I look younger. And uh, but he did like almost like a like a wink and like a like a kick like uh, yeah I, that's he odd. literally winked at the camera he literally winked at the camera which I've never seen yeah mm-hmm. and and this is a tr- premise that that Keenan as Al Sharpton has hit on the on this you know when we've seen this sketch prior he's talked about like you know the camera adding you know 50 pounds and other jokes about how he looks much heavier than you so so it's not a new thing i you know i guess if you're going to bring the real owl sharpton on it's a joke it's something that he's going to want to address in a fun way so it was silly it was completely you're right it was completely out of the sketch at a certain point but i thought you know what we don't need to buy this sketch we're just watching a comedian be funny so it didn't bother me as much as normally it would okay uh anything in terms of al sharpton's delivery of the jokes uh, I thought he did good. I mean, I thought there were a couple of fun. I mean, I think that I like that he let Keenan be, I, you know, I love that. It's so dumb, but when they're talking about the metrics and uh, Keenan refers to it as the Al Gore rhythm, I thought that was hilarious. And then uh, Sharpton did a nice, he said the algorithm and he didn't try to get a laugh on it. He just was the straight person correcting and then moved on. Uh, I like that, you know, the sort of when they're talking about, uh, when they were talking about Trump and like, come on now, that, that, little run back and forth was cute it was more fun than funny uh but Mm -hmm. you know obviously he was a very willing participant it was it was fun and i will say they didn't go too long on it which i appreciated all right let's talk about uh henry the eighth where the holographic simulation of henry the eighth is activated at a museum where people can interact uh with the russell crowe henry the eighth 
Rich, uh, what's your take on this? Well, I was, I'm sorry. I was, I was reprogramming the hologram to just continually say, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. This was a traffic accident. This was a rough one. Now, this is, you know, weird. Again, this is a whole weird situation because, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know what this was. You know, comedically, take out Russell Crowe for a second. The, you know, the gag is for all that the real Henry VIII would have to say about his life, he would be so upset that he was never, uh, he never had a son that to every woman he's just going to say, bear me a son. Okay, we get it. We saw it doesn't get as big a laugh as maybe they thought it was going to get but that happens so where do we go next well apparently we just keep rerunning that over and over again so i think the techno the, the hologram technology was on a loop because it just kept going over and over uh never getting funnier um a couple of titters here and there wow. uh but it, but for me it was uh it, this was this was rough yeah uh visually uh impressive though Right. In terms of the effects. Yeah. Obviously, he was on another stage and they they did a nice job. Um, yeah. I, you know, and I, you know, uh, Patrick and Sadie are both saying that they liked it. Um, uh, you know, they disagree with me and that they liked it. And that's great. Uh, you know what? That's the thing about comedy is if you if you did like it, that's fantastic. Uh, I but. Whew, this was the, even the timing of like, you know, talking about how much I really liked Keenan, uh, you know, this episode, there was a way he comes on to like, oh, what is this? And it's like, oh, it's a basically he's the, the you know, uh, Henry Lace has ever seen a black person. But even the rhythm and the timing of it was so off when Keenan was like, I'm out. It was like a full beat too late. And maybe it's because uh, Russell Crowe is on another soundstage and they can't physically see each mm -hmm. other. Or maybe I don't know what. But a lot of that was just like, oh, just go, go go um 80 bryant very uh game sort of towards the end but uh this was tough okay well let's not spend too much more time on henry the eighth uh let's talk about the game show here match finders and again here's keenan uh he's uh firmly uh entrenched as the resident game show host and uh, does a nice job here as the host of this dating game uh where cecily strong is just you know some woman who is interviewing these three people uh it really is almost like the dating game format requires three uh, but i really felt like that pete davidson was a real uh vestigial pete davidson here in this scene <laughs> and then they even yeah. skipped him uh, like a couple times in the script like ah yeah okay uh yeah oh yeah no when he was like i yield my time to the gentleman with the ponytail <laughs> i thought I, I liked pete in this sketch i will say before we get to russell crowe so a couple of weird things it's now midnight and it's the first time we're seeing russell crowe act in a live sketch with other actors at the same time mm -hmm. you know uh, politics nation was the first sketch in months that we actually did had a uh, a, a live sketch between the monologue and a weekend update where the host was not in so it's very rare so so Obviously, something's weird. So going to this sketch specifically, you know, there was some funny stuff to it. Again, here was the problem that I thought they were trying to they were trying to fit. Uh, I'm trying to use a term that's not going to come out into a, into a, in an appropriate comment, but a square peg in a round hole in that they're trying to do a gaining game show format of dating 
which doesn't exist anymore. This show doesn't exist. The GSN wouldn't air a show like this at all. Like it, it was a very odd. I mean, I know they had baggage, but it like it was a real weird. Like I don't know what we're watching. So I think before we get to the unusual character, which is going to be mm-hmm. our third Bachelor, it was like I thought that Keenan was kind of funny. I like those sort of dead-eyed um, uh, Cecily Strong. Uh, but it all felt like, again, I don't know what I'm, I, so I don't know what I'm watching. So I know that I'm watching is a sketch about a dating game show, not I'm watching a dating game show. So I thought this was hard going into it. And then once again, Russell Crowe feels the need or whatever to be the funny one in the sketch. And it was, uh, it was an interesting one. I would say I, I wouldn't give it an a boy, but it really was just relying on language that was really pushing the boundaries of broadcast television. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was certainly a surprise uh, the first time around. Uh, but uh, again, it was uh, one joke now. Yeah. I mean, you know, I like the idea that he would, you know, would, I would say, you know, he's, he's talking about how he would mount a subtle but focused campaign on her body part. And I was just like, oh, my God. Uh, and then we're just going to sort of hit this over and over again. Uh, I would say, you know, my opinion is if I had to trim the sketch, I would have gotten rid of the Beck Bennett character because I thought we've just seen him a thousand times. I thought at least the Pete Davidson character starting out being an absolute stereotype and then at a certain point, like, you're my hero, uh, I thought was very funny. So mm-hmm. so there were things about it that were fun. Um, uh, as much as I like Keenan, I don't know that his character, it was a really kind of the character was all over the place place in this one yeah, for I me liked him. i uh, thought he was okay. i like yeah. his uh ponytail reveal i like he's like oh you're just walking yeah. into traffic <laughs> that yes that was very funny that was very funny uh um but a lot of this was just again like he you know the character has a ponytail but we never see the ponytail except for sort of in the background the and russell crowe has a pipe but it's not lit so he's smoking an unlit pipe which just feels like we're doing a skit in high school like it Mm -hmm. felt it just felt so like is that the character choice we're supposed to buy or it just felt like it felt like he grabbed a prop on the way out to the set and like oh no my character should be smoking a pipe and then just so it just felt a little slapped together, I thought. Um, but, the, you know, by the time we get to the point where he realizes that he's uh, that he's going to get cancer, some of the lines were absolutely funny and Keenan's reaction was funny. OK. All right. Well, let's talk about uh, the musical guest uh, for this week. All right. Let's uh, get get James here. Uh, James Keese, of course, the editor of Exclaim Magazine. James, how are you? Well, guys, how are you? Uh, very good. You ready to talk some country? Good. Country. It was the Grand Old Opry on SNL this week. Yes. All right. Yes. What did you think? <laughs> SNL very rarely goes country at all, and they very rarely go this country. This was some full-on pedal steel, honky-tonk, long dresses, Loretta Lynn country. Um, Margot Price, who's a... a sort of a stalwart of the Nashville scene. She's, uh, this is sort of her coming out party, I guess, uh, this year. She's just put out her first record, but she's been in the scene for a while. She's in her early 30s. And uh, and it's Jack White who has, has, uh, has is behind this. He's signed her to his record label. So uh, Jack White, a known traditionalist and, and fan of uh, antiques, both musically and, uh, and and in terms of furniture. Um, so uh, Margot Price is his latest, and uh, 
Jack produced Loretta Lynn's comeback record a couple of years ago, and Margot Price is fully in that wheelhouse. Uh, Hurting on the Bottle is the first song, and uh, it's uh, it's I was I was thinking because I I am a fan of this kind of music, and I uh, I, I always have a place in my heart for it. But I I was thinking exactly what I love about it is probably exactly what people who hate it hate about it. Uh, the reasons both to love it and to hate it are the same, I think. Uh, the And either you're in or you're out. So, uh, which is why I think it makes for an interesting choice. Usually Saturday Night Live tries to book something that is will be more appealing to a broader range of tastes. Uh, for the second song, Since You Put Me Down, uh, we got a, a change of dress, but not a change of style. Uh, one could argue that lyrically we get into a kind of a honky-tonk Mad lib situation here where you sort of wonder <laughs> at what point is a 32-year-old woman in 2016 writing about this as actual authentic experience that she's had or whether this is just you write this kind of country song because this is the kind of country song that you write. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And I, I think that there's some of that here that is maybe not present in uh, somebody like Taylor Swift, who I think is very much writing from her perspective as a woman of this age. Uh, Margot Price seems to be writing of a woman, uh, writing as a woman of uh, 1972. Uh, <laughs> and, I think, and I think that woman might actually be Loretta Lynn. Yeah. Is um, there a lyric in question or is it just the song in general? It's the, it's, uh, there were just so many, the, you know, the uh, drinking on my mind and the, just every country cliche of, you know, mm-hmm. the porch and the whiskey and the, the, you know, the old dog and the, the cowboy coming home. And it would just seem like it, it was seemed like more, uh, a pile of expectate of, of what you would expect to hear from a song that sounded like this than anything that a woman, you know, born in 1983 uh, had experienced in her life. Yeah. Interesting. All right. I, I will say that I, I liked it. I mean, as much as I'm not a big country fan, this is probably on the edge of country for me, but I, and, and maybe if she had shown up during a great episode, like the Larry David episode, I might've not been so desperate to cleave to something that kept my attention for more than 30 seconds. But, uh, but I liked it. Although I will say if I get to do another fantasy football team next year, I will probably call myself the hunky tonk mad libs. <laughs> I don't mean to say that I, don't like her um but i think she's doing a very specific thing that serves a very specific market and uh i think that can be a turnoff for some people if you're not uh, you know already in the wheelhouse if you're not already a fan of george jones you're probably not going to be sold on margot price okay fair enough all right so uh next week uh a jonas brother sighting one of the joni yes which one nick jonas was it Kevin Jones? I think it's Nick. Nick. Uh, I'm not sure. I don't. I'm not sure how many of them are still alive or what they're doing. I think they're so, all still uh, alive. I don't. I haven't heard anything. Uh, <laughs> the Jonas are all okay. Not Joe Jonas, right? It's. It, I don't, don't think it's Joe. Okay. All right. So one of the Jonas brothers there uh, with Julia Louis Dreyfus uh, next week on the podcast. All right, James. Uh, great stuff. You can follow James on Twitter. He is at exclaim editor. Uh, thank you so much, James. Thanks. I'll talk to you next week. All right, talk to you later. Bye-bye. Okay. All right, Rich, let's talk about weekend update. 
and uh, let's get into uh, where uh, Colin Jones and Michael Che have left off. Yeah, I felt like this was bizarre a weekend update in that I felt like Colin and Michael brought it totally this week. And the uh, correspondence that I normally love, including some of the people that I really like, uh, I thought just just ate it. Uh, it was really a tough, uh, tough one on that. Yeah, literally in this case, ate it. So, uh, but starting with 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 uh, Michael and, and and Colin, I thought they did a really good job. I thought a lot of funny jokes. I like uh, you know, Colin did a nice run, sort of at the top. Uh, Michael did a nice run. Michael did a nice nice run later on in the uh, about Bill Clinton having to support his wife. I thought a couple of the jokes were good. I like Colin's uh, sort of run about you know Ted Cruz and like we don't need you New Yorkers. And then when I like when he said you're not a real New Yorker till you come home into your apartment and find a rat masturbating on your couch mm-hmm. like that like just, just a lot of little fun yeah. runs good energy the you know i felt like che was bringing it up they they were sort of on the same energy sort of um frequency to each other which felt really good so again maybe my barometer was a little low from the first 40 minutes of the show but uh i i really enjoyed the two of them i thought this was just for them uh even though maybe they have had funnier individual jokes in prior episodes that at all in all, this was probably their best outing of the year. Yeah, Michael Che was also really good during the uh, the Hillary Clinton subway rant. Yes, yeah, yes, really and good. the whole yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't want to vote for someone who rides the subways and that whole yeah. Unless you want to stick it, was it step in something sticky and wonder is that urine or Snapple? Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was, yeah, it was really so a lot of good stuff there. I yeah. really liked. It. All right, well, let's talk about the visitors to the update desk, and it was the return of I believe Deanie. Yeah, I think the first time she was called Dee Dee. I actually wonder if, and I couldn't tell watching it a second time, if it was, if, if Colin was saying Dee Dee or Deanie, the graphics said Deanie, but I Deanie. wondered if it was a typo mm. because last time she was Dee Dee. So who knows? But, um, uh, but the name was not not saving it uh you know we had first seen this character back in december with amy poehler and tina fey um you know and uh and i think that there was some funny stuff about it i remembered uh that when we saw it the first time i liked the fact that through her monologue she was very subtly eating baked salmon out of a tupperware Mm -hmm. and as often happens with Weekend Update, if something works a little, let's do it a hundred times bigger to see if it's a hundred times funnier. So her eating the Tupperware kind of became the joke, which yeah. didn't make any sense because someone's mom, Dee Dee, doesn't eat Brussels sprouts like that. It was so so it was a very, very weird thing that but I, we I, said, I we said last thing. time that the only thing we said, like, uh, really, it wasn't funny. I said, I guess that there was like the biggest jokes with like came out of what she was eating. So I think yes. it's just like, all right, let's yes. get her back out there eating some more. Yeah. <laughs> and normally the you know, I think Kate is very good at sort of like knowing when as big as her characters can be knowing what to do subtle. And this I don't know if she was just eating it. So she thought I'm going to try to make a joke out of eating it literally, as mm-hmm. we said, Um you know, and again, we've talked about this last time, the whole idea that, you know, she's really just watching soap operas doesn't feel 
it doesn't feel rel- it feels like this is written by a 45 year old whose mom used to watch soap operas but not it this doesn't feel like a 23 year old's mom would watch soap operas so so it's so that you know that again she doesn't know anyone's name we got to the oj i loved people versus oj me and my wife loved every episode so it was fun to get a little not bit about people versus bj simpson yeah exactly exactly but when she's talking about how show me the money does this one thing and then skunk care from friends kept bringing up the jews and they had to correct them though he's bringing up juice uh so that i thought was that that was a, a nice bright spot but i think uh i i think we can retire Deanie. i think uh, I, I don't know that we need to see her again okay and then boy it's the return of bruce channeling and i don't know who is looking for bruce channeling on the weekend update desk I have been told that, oh, you just don't get the good neighbor sensibility here. But I don't know who's getting Bruce Chandler. I mean, I think that that he has now replaced uh, a number of different uh, Fred Armisen characters as uh, even I would take Willie, I think, at this point over uh bruce channeling again yeah the question is would i take nicholas fane over over bruce channeling that's that's a tough one i don't know this is nostalgia yeah you know and i think of course i agree with you i think the first time we saw bruce channeling i thought it's not for me but i have to admire the performance that he's willing to go out tell bad jokes ultimately get to this dark sad place and then bring it back again and then got the it's audience the applauding so I, but it's the same thing every time it's not interesting it's not fun Trey's, Trey, Michael Che's reaction to him was almost too harsh for comedy so it was just like it was just it just felt like a repeat it felt literally just like a repeat I, I didn't need to see it yes this was he does a good performance uh, we just saw it in November it wasn't that long ago on the Elizabeth Thanks episode uh, and the fact that we're going from this right out to the close of Weekend Update without even a Weekend Update joke in between, I thought was a rough way to end. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't, I don't get it. I don't know what, what the appeal is, who's saying that they enjoy this. Uh, let us know in the comments if you're one of the people that are really enjoying uh, Bruce Chandling. But I think it's time to put it to bed. All right. Let's get yeah. into... Uh, I got a lot of comments about this, Rich. 100 Days in the Jungle, a Survivor parody. Well, I'm going to leave most of this to you. I'll say two things up front. I have a, a comment, a question. It's not a com- uh, and boy, about- is it? What? It's not uh and boy, is it? You know, kind of. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't the worst of the Russell Crowe sketches. But again, it was like, you know, for me, this coming out of this, it was immediately like, like after everything we've seen, why couldn't he have, why couldn't Russell Crowe have played one of the straight you know, one of the contestants in this or play the host and let someone else be a wacky character. I didn't get it. Um, it was odd to me. We didn't need it. That said, I, w- I really enjoyed Pete Davidson. I thought Pete Davidson did a very nice job as a straight person, which we don't often see. He did a really good job. Um, and the question that I want to kick to you before we really even go into it is, I don't know why this wasn't just a survivor sketch. Why why did we have to call this 100 Days in the Jungle instead of just making uh, whoever it was, Beck Bennett, I guess, uh, just make him uh, Jeff Probst and do, it, do a straight out survivor piece? It's a great point. I thought of it myself. I don't know why they had to work so hard to make it a survivor like i mean down to the logo is almost like a recalculation of of or like some sort of a reasonable facsimile but yet when we do bachelor they don't call it bachelor they you know farm hunk 
uh, has been the precedent. So for whatever reason, it seems like that they are just, uh, you know, because maybe if they're not mocking exact like you, the, yet they did naked and afraid last week. So I don't really understand what yeah. the what the rules are in terms of this. Yeah. And they have done the bachelor before we did the bachelor. Then we did farm hunk and the, yeah, but it, it very odd. And, you know, we certainly, we've done the voice, you know, we've done, you know, we've done different, you know, we've done different shows. We've done undercover boss on a, you know, on a space station in right. star Wars, which is so, also CBS, right? Yeah. So, so all very odd. And I mean, and you're right. The detail, obviously the prop department was big, so, you know, surviving even the buffs on the arms were yeah, just which like were very, like, very clean for uh, close <laughs> 94 days in the jungle. Those were those were spotless buffs, Rich. I felt like that they really yeah. did drop the ball in terms of very bright, clean yellow buffs. Yes, I did. I saw uh, in PostureRecaps.com, Sousa Susie had said, like, uh, how old is this that we're doing a TV product placement? Feels like Survivor from 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're a little behind the curve. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know who the Survivor fans on the uh, on the SNL writing staff are. That would be good to know. You don't know who wrote this uh, sketch, do you? No, I don't. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Bobby Moynihan, uh, we know that he does watch Survivor and Big Brother. Uh, I'm not sure if there are uh, who exactly are the writers there or if they're just going off a sort of sense memory uh, with this sort of like, you know, if you watched Survivor 15 years ago, I mean, uh, loved ones visit is still the same sort of idea. So uh, we had to do a sketch around the fact that Russell Crowe is Pete Davidson's loved one and, you know, shades of Johnny Fairplay where, oh, my loved one is supposed to be this person, but it turns out to be this person. But it's a guy who he barely knows. Right. It's his uncle's friend, Terry, which is very <laughs> odd. Yeah. You know, I, this, you know, again, this felt to me less like a parody of Survivor and more of an excuse to do yet another character piece for uh, for for Russell Crowe, which I think was a miss. But that said, I did like Pete Davidson as the straight man. And I like the little touches of like, where are my parents? And the, and the Jeff Robes characters like they had a thing. And then even when he's like, you're surprised, I have seven brothers and sisters and a girlfriend of three years, like uh, little moments of that I thought was really really cute i just i i didn't need uncle um, you know the friend terry ed and the uh the food challenge was very as soon as they wheel out the food challenge before they get to the first one i know what the joke is going to be it's super obvious but the joke is a backwards joke that pete davidson's reaction is uh is bogus <laughs> that yes if if you were on survivor if you were in that situation and your loved ones had to eat something gross to win a reward, your uncle's friend Terry eating a duck's genitals uh, like it's nothing would be a good thing for you. You would be excited yes. then that uh, your yes. uncle's friend Terry was there. Yes. So, uh, yeah, this was I, I don't know. This was another tough one. So, OK. Uh, and then uh, Terry uh, gets the, the call from Leslie Jones. Uh, you, know, you get to see uh, the video. So that was kind of funny. All right. That was cute. I like that a lot. Yes. Let's talk about Pogi Pepperoni. And uh, I, this is seemingly another uh, good neighbor sketch. I think that this was uh, yeah. if I had to pick my favorite Kyle Mooney piece of the night. Uh, this is it by far. Yeah, I will say for me, I the first time around, I Jen and I were definitely sort of just like, oh, what is this? What are we watching? I don't get what um having then seen it and watching it a second time i definitely appreciated the characters i appreciated that these are characters we haven't seen before and yet characters that were totally relatable a, a very specific kind of nerd uh a very specific fun uh so 
I didn't love it, but I but I will appreciate the novelness of it uh, and and what they brought to it. What was the name of Kyle Mooney's character? Oh, I don't even remember. <laughs> yeah, uh, it was like, a weird AC something or something like that. Was, yeah, yeah. But that was that was fun. Uh, yeah, I mean the game I thought was pretty clean in terms of their reactions to stuff, and then uh, you know their heads explode at the end. So I thought this was very was uh, was fun and cute, even though I was not dying and, and uh, my head was not exploding. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Good on them. All right. Uh, what about Leslie Jones as a ninja? You know, uh, I, I think a lot of people like this. A lot of people thought this was a great sketch. I, explain it to me. I don't know. Uh, I I liked it when I saw it when it was first called Beverly Hills Ninja with, with Chris Farley. Um, I, I don't, you know, this was just, it was sort of just a sight gag premise that a non-physically fit larger person is is a ninja and yet is still completely effective um i i hoped that this would play funnier the second time i watched it it did not mm-hmm. um vanessa bayer had me giggling a couple of times uh but oh, and a couple of things did make me laugh so i wouldn't say a oh, boy but i would say uh right on the verge for me this was another uh i actually hope we don't see shanice again i suspect that we will Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I have nothing to add on the Leslie Jones Ninja. I didn't, I didn't really get it. As dumb as it was, I will say the fact that at the end they took it to the point where she's setting up a ladder behind Russell Crowe's back did make me giggle. I did like that that was sort of where they took it. And again, why does Russell Crowe have to be a Russian mafia? Why can't he just be a bad guy? What like it's like, again, we don't you don't have to be the big hey. character in every scene. When you have one of the great improvisational character actors of all time in Russell Crowe, you don't waste Russell Crowe. Right, right. And hey, the big save of the scene was not that Leslie Jones saved Vanessa Bay's character. It's that Keenan Thompson didn't choke to death on stage because it looked like he was he was not doing well there for a second. Yeah. All right. Uh, then the last sketch of the night is the Oprah Winfrey sketch. Now, this is very similar to that. We saw Mike O'Brien do a playing Jay-Z in a sort of biopic. Here he is playing Oprah in a biopic. Uh First Michael Bryan thing that we've seen in a while, right? Yeah, Michael Bryan's off the show. So Michael Bryan comes back and does these. I think he may even actually film these in L.A. Uh, this is, you know, we saw Jason Sudeikis back again. He was in the the Jay-Z story was from the J.T. Simmons episode last year. Uh, so good to see him back. Uh, you know, to me, the Jay-Z story was just good, dumb fun. It was pointless and it was hilarious. I thought that this was cute if i had never seen the jay-z story i'd still be talking about this i felt like this just didn't have that extra spark that uh that that this one you know because i felt like in the jay-z story he played jay-z as the absolute whitest nerdiest guy hey let's make some rap and here he played oprah as just a regular guy just a very straightforward non mm-hmm. nonplussed white guy so i kind of felt like really just watching a a, a biopic trailer with a white guy in a dress so um i liked it but i i I wish i liked it of the i like the michael bryan pieces a lot so i'm sort of being nitpicky just because i like him a lot um the only time it really sort of got any heat for me was when he's explaining uh that he's going to launch oprah magazine and he's like no i'm going to be on the cover no 
every time. No, as long as you can think in the future, it'll be me mm-hmm. on the corner. So a lot of that, a lot of that stuff will work. The rest of it, I just thought it was just sort of find and replace. It was sort of a Microsoft Word version of a sketch. Like, let's just find and replace the real Oprah for a white guy in a dress. And I, I don't know that we got a lot out of it. But that said, it, it was it was a nice, at least I was laughing at something before the night was over. Yeah, I think that the game also gets a little muddy where it's like sometimes like, okay, so Michael Bryan is playing Oprah and just like in the Jay-Z thing, it was that they had basically every time they talked to another famous rapper, it was another sort of like Michael Bryan type person yes. playing playing that other rapper, which was funny. Right. But here we have a lot of celebrities here, like where we have Tom Cruise, where it's almost like we're using like somebody who's supposed to be Tom Cruise. And I feel like that that's also confusing. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't as sort of inspired in its overall silliness. And it was long. Um, Yes. And I actually do wonder, I have no knowledge. I, I, I do wonder if this was something that Mike O'Brien had just made and it has been per uh, perennially in the can oh. for, for a moment of, oh, we are short this week. Because again, Russell Crowe is not in it. So you really do wonder. For short was six this, minutes. Yeah. Yeah. And so for, you know, for an evening where the star has only been in four of the sketches and potentially we're going to something that was made a few weeks ago, uh, maybe it wasn't. But I, I do wonder if something was going on behind the scenes with Russell Crowe as our host that uh, that we that we don't know about. OK. All right, Rich, let's talk about the good nights. Uh, you could tell when you watch this, uh, was there any sort of wonkiness going on between Russell Crowe and the cast? I mean, huge moat, huge moat between moat. him and 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 uh, and Margo and the rest of the cast. Uh, you know, at the end, he then walked around and was thanking everybody. I would say everybody seemed, you know, Leslie Jones, of course, she loves everybody and she's obviously very social. So she was really nice. I thought everybody had a like Bobby and Taryn and everybody had a like, hey, man, great job but nobody was going up to him so if i had to sort of put my spidey sense on i do wonder i i I would doubt that it was like they didn't like him but i don't think that there was the same reaction as peter dinklage last week where people seemed genuinely quite warm and excited this seemed just like hey great job dude kind of thing so i wonder if there's a there there okay also uh al sharpton come on man what do you you got going on? You can't stay and wave goodnight at the end of the night. Come on, man. That's come on. Come on. Jason Sudeikis gets a pass. He was in a pre-tape. It that probably was shot, shot in Los Angeles. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That. But Sharpton, come on. Yeah. Come on. Show up. OK, uh, let's answer a couple questions. Mike Bloom also is Henry the eighth, the worst non-Trump sketch of the season so far. <sighs> you know, uh, it's up there. It is really the I mean, worst. Well, I would say the worst pre-update sketch, maybe, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't know that I could say another, you know, I, I'm sure there are absolutely others equally as bad without me looking, um, but nothing comes to mind that it was, it was absolutely up there as one of the worst pre-update sketches in a long time. Okay. Uh, Eric also wants to know, uh, was this the first survivor sketch ever, or were there some other in some others in the early days? Uh, Rich, do you recall another Survivor SNL sketch? I feel like there had to be. I don't believe they've ever I done. Don't. Well, you know the, that the first Survivor was really a phenomenon, but that was a summertime phenomenon when SNL is in its off season, and it had certainly cooled by the time that uh, the show came, you know came back in uh, in uh, two thousand. Um, 
which was also, you know, an election year, a lot of stuff going on. I do recall uh, that uh, Dana Carvey played Rudy Bosch in a sketch one time. Wow. When he was hosting. Wow. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but now that I don't think they've ever done it. Mad TV, he did a Survivor sketch with Jeff Probst in it, which people link to a lot. But I believe that was the first uh, Survivor SNL sketch. Mm-hmm. All right, Rich. Next week, Julia Louis-Dreyfus. She's a pro. She's technically an alumni, although she's not bringing any characters. It's not like we're going to see, like, you know, we're going to have Brad Hall or Gary Kroger show up, uh, you know, uh, you know, to, you know, with her um, or Jim Belushi or or anything like that. Um, but that said, consummate you know, comedic actress will probably do quite well. Would love, you know, I, I'm hoping we get to see Larry David as Bernie Sanders, given how close the two of them are. Uh, so hopefully, uh, I, I think it's going to be a nice round out to April, uh, which we'll see. And then, and then we'll see what May looks like, whether we're either going to take one week off or two weeks off before we get to our, um, which I think we can assume will be our final three. Okay. So, any picks, any any takes on who we're going to see host the show in May? I mean, it's weird. It's my perennial time to say, you know, where's John Ham? Where what, what, what is John, John Ham? If we didn't see John Ham all these years with Mad Men. I know. No, we haven't seen him in ages and I just don't understand it. I don't know why he hasn't been back in so long. He's so good. Uh, so uh, I think maybe we will see Sudeikis. I could see Sudeikis closing out the uh, the season because I feel like it's sort of time for him to come back. And I think he's shown up. You know, we can see that he's clearly friend of show again or not that I, that he wasn't, but he was obviously not around for a long time. So mm-hmm. uh, that would be that would be very exciting to me to see him come back. OK. Uh, we'll see what happens. I'm trying to take a look at May movie openings uh, in terms of uh, what's coming up, but we'll see. We'll see. Okay, so we should maybe start to hear some whispers in the next couple of weeks. Uh, all right, so uh, that's going to do it for us here. Uh, we'll have a Julia Louis-Dreyfus podcast next week. You can make sure you don't miss it by subscribing to Post Show Recaps. Go to postshowrecaps.com slash iTunes or for our SNL feed, postshowrecaps.com slash SNL iTunes. Uh, Rich, anything else? Uh, nope. For any for our friends in the LA area, I'll be performing at a Moth Grand Slam telling a story on April 25th. Wow. So uh, you can always check that out. I'll send that out on uh, Twitter and Facebook tomorrow. I'm excited to do that. So that'll be fun. Okay. All right. Uh, thanks so much uh, for joining us here today. Looking forward to reading more of your comments on postshowrecaps.com. Take care, everybody. Bye. Bye-bye.
Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts.